0: This is Tony Berluti. You're listening to the Moto X Pod Show.
1: This is Jason Wygant. You're not listening to Podcast Podcast. This is like at least third or fourth best Moto X Pod Show.
0: A great riff yeah, guns N' roses just one of the dirty rock and roll bands of the 80s love those guys all right i'm dark side it is the episode 135 of the moto x pod show glad to be back in the studio feels like it's been a while i want to thank our title sponsor torque one racing providing high quality economical performance parts check out torque one for grips handlebars shifters brake pedals and more Johnny just sent me over a set of the Defy lock-on grips so I can get ready for the World Vet Nationals by W at Glen Helen coming up in November. Pretty stoked on that. Cannot wait. Also one to thank longtime uh, sponsor Shock Socks, the original number one 10-second removable fork seal protector, all-sport dynamics, wrist braces, blood lubricant oils, multiple oil lines. I'll be looking for a blood lubricants giveaway on Instagram probably tomorrow. Uh, if you guys are listening to this post, that's, uh, you may have missed out. Just check our Instagram, but we'll run that thing for about a week. I want to thank Acherby's USA. For decades, Acherby's has been the leader in moto plastic and accessories. So visit AchirbysUSA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and talk to Brian. Uh, he'll take care of you. He's a good dude, always ready for a laugh. Uh, definitely loves Acherby's and will help you out, get you taken care of. Of course, Fly Racing. Since 1999, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. So check out flyracing.com for all the 2020 line, the gear, and the new Formula helmet. Of course, Power Band Racing. If you have WP Suspension, they are an authorized service center. They'll get you taken care of. Also, Works Wheels and Mods for all your Cerakoting engine work. Uh, anything, any kind of mechanical things you need, Brett Hooper will take care of you. Hoop at 2814 at gmail.com. And of course, if you look looking for a custom painted helmet, I mean, who doesn't want a custom painted helmet, right? I mean, um, it's not every day that you can show up at the line and just have this one of a kind badass art piece. But Kirk Hunter with Extreme Colors will take care of you for $295. He will get you painted. Uh, That's XKHelmetPainting at gmail.com. For any of these sponsor links, go to TheMotoXPodShow.com. Hit the sponsor link. All the Links to our sponsors are there. Uh, They'll take care of you. They'll they'll give you discounts. Some of them give you discounts. Blood lubricants. If you type in Moto X Pod, gives you a discount. Uh, But, yeah, we want you to support our sponsors because they make the show happen. The sponsors uh, are a major part of the reason we are able to get to the Supercross races and the Nationals and get content. Uh, Without them, this couldn't be done. And, of course, without you listeners listening and the Patreon supporters, if you're a Patreon.com supporter of the Moto X Pod show, we appreciate you. All of that is very important to us tonight on episode 135. Austin Fortner. we haven't talked to him in a while. You know, he's coming off that injury, recently engaged. We're going to talk to him, see what's been going on, see if he's getting ready for Monster Energy Cup, where his head's at. Uh, also, Brent Rouse, he is a privateer, rode for Bubba Burgers. Um, he was just through East Texas at the Swan Pro Challenge a couple weeks ago. I got a chance to meet him, so he's going to come on. And uh, Eli Tetzlaff, who we have talked to before he, he went to Loretta's, and he's going to come on just kind of fill us in. He's you know a younger guy that's making the rounds, trying to make a name for himself. Just kind of want to see what, what Loretta's like for somebody in his position. You know, his dad, Eric, uh, has been on the show also and a big supporter of the show. So we're going to get him on, talk a little bit about that. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Austin Fortner. Hey, I just want to do a quick little edit here uh this post interviews with austin and brent and both of them were having some signal issues austin was in oklahoma and kept losing the signal so the sound quality is up and down just part of what we deal with with cell phones um and then brent was having a bunch of calls coming in and some things so you're gonna hear his his uh call go in and out a couple times but man there's some really good content so i hope you guys stick with it and Again, with, with cell phones, it's just something you deal with sometimes. It's part of it. Uh, I really appreciate those guys coming on, though, and giving us their time. So stick with the interviews, li- uh, listen to the content, and I hope you enjoy it. And don't forget, we're going to be giving away a main fly racing main event backpack uh, out at the end of the show. I'm going to do a little trivia question, so keep listening, and we'll give that thing away. And I'll be looking for the blood lubricants giveaway on our Instagram page. Thanks.
2: to pick
0: your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. What's up, Moto X Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why Allsport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. Allsport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try all-sport dynamic wrist braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or check out Instagram at wristbraceguy or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. Keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Cevacci, Weston Pike, Adam Cianciarello, Matt Gurky, and Brock wear in their pro careers. Check them out. All sports, dynamic braces.
1: Powerband Racing is a suspension company dedicated to providing best service and products. They are committed to developing new products and improve your ride. They want your suspension to be the best it can be. They're based out of Minneapolis, and they're a WP authorized service center and trusted by Ryan Sipes. Mini bikes to big bikes, they cover them all. Powerband Racing has your suspension covered. Contact them at 320-983-3400 and follow them on Facebook or Instagram.
0: All right, we are here with our first guest of the night. He is brought to you by Achirbys USA. For decades, Achirbys has been the leader in moto plastic and accessories, Providing plastic for many of the top teams in the pits. Uh, if you're looking for the best plastic on the market, at com or call 1-800-659-1440 and ask for Brian Fullerton on the line with me. Pro Circuits, Austin Fortner. What's up, Austin? What's up, guys? Not much, man. It's great to hear from you. It's been a little while. Uh, you know, you've uh, you've been in training, I'm sure, and rehab. How's that been going?
3: Uh, it's good. Um, I uh, really never stopped like just like the first week i was done because i just felt like i was laying around doing nothing for like the first week i couldn't even move off the couch so as soon as i was able to get around i started just going back to the gym and we just doing all upper body stuff and then started doing a little therapy and then um just started doing more and more and more and then you kind of have to back off for a little bit and still do therapy but just you have to be easy with it for like the the middle, like two months, like months two and three, are the months that you don't want to injure it, and then like you don't want to re, like stretch it or anything. And then after that, you can start toning it back up. And I'm at like f- almost four and a half now, so um, I think I get cleared to ride like next week or something. So okay. uh, feels pretty good. Yeah.
0: So do you think you'll do? You have any plans of even trying to race Monster Energy Cup, or just get ready for Supercross?
3: Ah uh, yeah, I mean, not to have the four fifty race. I'm, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't race it anyway.
0: Okay, I didn't know if you might try to do it just to have, you know, just for something fun to do, a little like a little uh, tr- trial race, you know. But it'd probably be a safer bet to just wait and uh get ready well, for yeah, that. Yeah, I
3: won't even. Yeah, I won't even be riding Supercross until it's. I but when it is going, I won't even be riding supercars.
0: Uh, okay, yet, so makes sense. So makes sense. Like,
3: no
0: way, so. Yeah, well, let's go back to the, this injury, man. Uh, I mean, it was a fully torn ACL, right? That's that's um, probably a little less common. Most people do partial tears. Uh, you, you had torn meniscus, had some bone bruising. I mean, t- talk a little bit about this injury and trying to ride through it the way you did.
3: Yeah, it was about as bad as it messed up for me. Like, I didn't tear my
4: ACL, I don't think,
3: um, but, but that's it. I it. Pretty much everything else uh, shredded my meniscus. It was like like, they take pictures of inside the, like, inside the knee during the surgery, and it was, like, a cheese grater, like, it looked like shredded cheese, like, uh. so, uh, I did that really, really bad, and they were, like, this, you're definitely gonna feel this when you're older, and I was, like, that's, that's just what I want to hear, but, um, right. um, but, like, it, it was, I mean, an ACL is pretty simple, you tear you know, like, mine was fully torn, but, that, uh, I mean, like it's a bad ligament, but it's a relatively like common injury nowadays.
4: So yeah.
3: like, like that wasn't a problem, but it was more my my meniscus, and I had to take a lot of time and be really careful with that um, at the beginning because I didn't want it to like re tear it. But um, the ACL part um, is just pretty good. Uh, it's just getting strength back into it and trying not to like at this point. There's not a whole lot of pain left. It's just now getting it strong enough to. Um, just
0: not retear it or not redo something. Sure. Hey man, I know you're up in Oklahoma. The the your signal's kind of going in and out. I don't know if if you know are we in speakerphone or are you just are you moving around any?
3: No, I'm dead. It's uh it's Oklahoma. We don't yeah. have
4: service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. I, yeah, I'm, but, I I I'm, I go through there a lot. So um, hey, so your your results last year pretty amazing when you go back and look at your finishes one 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 three one one. 22 with the injury and then DNF. I mean, look, you were dominant, man. Um, there, you know, all year during the 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 pre race stuff, uh, Daniel Blair was talking about. You know, you got you finding that edge during practice. You, you know how that you're out there, you would crash in practice and then go out and de- be damn near perfect in a race. Um, do you feel like maybe you should have backed it down a little bit in practice, or do you feel like that was the best way for you to get what you needed?
3: Well, I mean now but yeah. obviously I definitely would have rather backed it down in practice. Especially not practice
0: because <laughs>
3: the lap before I was like over a second fast enough, You the L Flap and the Full Trick guys that practice. So um like I, I was just do it like it wasn't anything like you can't change I worked back a thousand times. Oh, I should've just whenever I went by the pit board that lap and it said one plus one point four like I should have just said screw it and just pulled off or just cruised learning the, the lap but I was on a good lap. Like you know when you have a good lap you always pull off. Like so I was like okay whatever, I'll finish the lap like I'd rather like if the if everybody wants to pull and they I'm I have two lap times that are a second faster than them, they're finished when the race to can start. So like I, I was like I was honest I'll finish the lap and just got a little bat too far back in the loops. Those looks were tough. That that track was Tough all day. um It was just rocky and everything was hard and chewed out, and the whoops were pretty tough. And I just got a little far back. Um, it dropped in, popped the front wheel up, and I rode the, the back wheel for a little bit, and I just got off balance. And I didn't know that that last whoop was so close. Like I didn't know. I, I just stuck my foot out like for balance and like to, to catch myself after I went got out of the whoops. But it turns out like I put it out and it just clipped the top of that last whoop.
4: Yep, I
3: was. And then I fell, but the crash wasn't actually like that bad. I felt it in my knee immediately, and I was like, I oh, do so, like, didn't know what a what a knee injury felt like. I thought maybe it just hurt it, and, but it was uh, it was torn. So and then, but then it wasn't until the next practice that it got really bad because I tried to ride again, and then it moved. It did like the shift, and then if it wasn't fully torn then it was after that and then that's what did my meniscus
4: too so
0: yeah and then you, luckily you had a, you know some time off a couple of weeks and you tried to do uh, Nashville which man if anybody ever questioned the heart that you have Nashville was, should have changed their mind because you you know came out there knowing dang good well that any little bobble or anything could you know just take you out you know you were you were hurt already you were killing it. You were just ripping out there. And then, you know, this, that little over jump in that, what, I, I don't know, it's kind of like a double yeah. thing that, you know, yeah. and, and oh, it was just like the wind was sucked out of the stadium at that moment. I mean, it was just crazy.
3: Yeah, well, I uh, I uh, it, it popped out twice in practice, um, once in the second practice and once in the third practice. Actually, twice in the third practice. Like, it did a little shift and it like it popped out. But I didn't even know if I was going to be able to race went out for the race and uh in the heat race that was as fast as i could ride without popping my knee out and that was good <laughs> enough for six yeah. In a heat race. yeah and i was like okay like that's not going to cut it i was like either either i go out and take a chance and i try to win because and probably pop my knee out and probably not finish but hey i might get lucky i might do everything perfect and not it might hold up or i can just ride around and 10th, 12th place, and just watch the championship go because I mean, nobody was going to beat Sexton, he was going to win, like, so it was like, okay, like, I got to beat him, so
4: yeah, um,
3: so I so I basically have to win, so I have to just go for it, I got to ride as fast as I can, and and it, I just over jumped that just a little bit, and I would actually kind of surprise myself to be honest. And the first couple laps, like I was like, like, I just had the mindset where I was like, you know what? Like, I, I don't, I do not care on the line. Like that was just, I was just like, you know, what, if it pops out, whatever. Like this, who cares? So I just ran and I smashed Sexton the first turn smashed before the finish. <laughs> yeah. I was like, to be honest, I don't even care. Like, like, and, uh, then I just over jumped that and, and, it popped out so it wasn't like it, it sucks but honestly i kind of expect it like i would have had to have a literal perfect race right not hanging out because like it just it just wasn't you don't have an acl like it, that and you know it's just it's moved around and we strapped it up as tight as i could i could barely even get my foot on the peg whenever i was sitting down on the bike so be tight as tight as it could but it, it doesn't matter like it was just so loose and yeah Everything was just blown out, basically. So that was uh, the best I could
0: do. Well, it was a hell of an effort, and I commend you for for giving it a shot. Um, you know, and your team, you know, Pro Circuit, they, they suffered another heartbreaking loss, of course, at the Vegas Finals where AC was in a very similar position where he was the fastest guy all year, probably should have won the championship, and things just didn't go the, his way. And I'm sure you heard some of his post-race interviews where, like, Mathis talked to him about – you know, or he's been asked, would you have changed anything in your career, you know, injuries and all these heartbreaks? And he says, no, you know, it made me who I am today. Um, so looking back, you know, a few months after the 2019 Supercross, like, what have you learned and what can you take away from this for 2020 and beyond?
3: Um, I guess, like, really, to be honest, like, practice doesn't mean a whole lot and, and You know, finding that edge is sometimes good because whatever I did this year seemed to work. Just crashing a little less in practice is about the only thing. And getting it through my mind that practice really does not matter at all. Like, I still remember Webb won a race when he qualified, like, 8th or (laughs) 12th.
4: Like, (laughs) and then he
3: won the race. It literally does not matter. And it it doesn't matter either because, like, when we get out for the race, it doesn't, like... Sexton was like almost half a second faster than me in practice at one race, and it didn't matter. He couldn't go that. He could like those guys can't run that pace the whole race, sure. and, and I knew that. So that's what, like, I feel like I already had a mental edge on them just on the gate because I was like, it doesn't even matter what they ran in practice because they can't do 15 minutes like this. So, like, and I can, and that was the that was the difference. To be honest, like that, I just knew that I wasn't going to get tired, and I knew that I could do. 15 solid laps when they might be faster than me three out of the 15 laps but the other laps are all slower so it, it you know it doesn't really matter so that that was my mindset for the race so I feel like I just had a, I was really strong in races and I would try to to push that in practice and it wouldn't work and I would get frustrated and stuff and then I would go to the race and and would be fine so it's just getting that through my head that it doesn't
0: matter. Yeah. It's just all, you know, with age comes maturity, as they say, you know, I mean, and pro motocross riders going pro at 16, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of, a lot at stake to handle for a 16 year old kid. When you're 16, you probably thought, oh, this is, you know, I can handle this. But as you get older, you're going to look back and probably be like, that was a lot, you know, that's a lot of pressure, uh, at a very instrumental time in your life where you're, you're learning and growing, you know, mentally. Um, so I, I like hearing that, man. I think, I think the future is still extremely bright for you. I cannot wait to see what happens in 2020. Um, you mentioned Chase Sexton a couple of times. He was kind of your, your rival. Um, does having somebody that is a quote unquote rival, does that help you? Do you think that's more beneficial or can you be just buddy buddies with your competition and still go out and want to, you know, destroy them during a race?
3: I've been asked that a bunch and, I I know of a bunch of guys that are friends that race each other. Um, to be honest, if I'm battling with somebody for a championship, on or off the track, you are not my friend. Okay. Like, I I'm not I'm not a two faced person at all. Like at all. Like I'm like it doesn't matter. So I can't personally I can't go on the track, blow somebody out, push them off the track, put them into the stands, whatever. <laughs> And then just say, "Oh, hey, bud, sorry about that." Like, no, that's right. not, that's not how it works. Like that. Like to me, that's two faced, and I'm not. I'm not that. So if I'm gonna race you, and if I'm gonna, and and also another thing, it's like, what what am I gonna say? What, what is Mitch gonna say if it's the last lap and I have a clear opening for the pass, but I'm gonna have to hit him, and I and I don't go for it, and then we watch the film, and he's gonna be like, uh. Why didn't you go for that pass? Oh, he's my buddy. I didn't want to hit him. Like, no. Right. okay Okay. Like, this is your job. You're getting paid to win. Yeah. Nobody, like, nobody, when I went up on the gate, nobody is my friend. No one. I don't, I don't, it, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I don't want to have to go be riding with guys and being every single guy I come up on to pass. Oh, I, I don't, is he my friend? Is he not? Like, no.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
3: It doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I'm like, and I don't just want to put every single guy I pass on the ground, but I'm just saying if there's a circumstance where I have to hit somebody, then I don't want to feel bad because he's my friend, you know. Like so, I just and especially if, if you're battling with somebody for a championship, it you're just not really
0: friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> you
3: Notice Ricky James Chad were they ever really friends? No.
0: No. No. You no, you, you have that friends. old school mentality. You have the old school mentality that. Uh, A lot of guys think is missing in the sport now. And yeah, I think that's, you know, look, we we live in the day of social media and people love to be keyboard warriors and people, you know, of course, bash on you or bash on anybody when, when you maybe get upset or whatever, but that's just raw emotion. That's a, an athlete, a racer. And I love it, man. I think it's awesome. I love that you have that, you know, win or die mentality there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Hey, I want to shift gears just for a second. So I want to tell you congratulations on your engagement. Um, yeah. talk a little bit about that man like how has that how has Riley stepping into your life changed things I, I mean, having a good woman Chris Kiefer always says hashtag home life um, it, it yeah. really settles things into place and puts things into perspective talk about that a little bit
3: uh I don't know like to be honest like she, she made me realize a lot of things that I hadn't really like almost a little bit like real world problems yep. like things that I never really like since I've like been a kid i've rode my dirt bike that's it like that's kind of it and now like i've never had a significant other i've never had anything else to like really take care of like or or look after you know and like now they just are coming into my life kind of uh just made me realize like some things that just i don't know like it just made my life more than riding a dirt bike every day and, and all that stuff. So it's just like, like in a way it makes me feel a little more normal, which I mean, I get like a, I kind of a good thing because I'm about as far from normal as you can get. in what I do, especially at my age and just all, all these, there's all these things coming in from all these different people telling you to do this, do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. You need a train hard. You need all these things. And I feel like with her, Where i can just go home and just chill and watch a movie it all just goes like at least for a little bit it all just goes black
0: yeah good for you
3: like that that's a good i mean that's kind of like the i mean that's like the goal is to find somebody that does that to you or has that like effect on you and i i i mean i did that so
4: yeah
3: you know
0: (laughs) yeah well i thought it was really cool um I didn't realize this. I didn't put two and two together until Father's Day, and she posted about her dad, Randy. I'm a diehard Niners fan, so yeah. when she posted that, I was like, oh, "Holy shit! Whoa, wait, wait, two. Back up a second And I had to put it all together, and yeah, so like I'm a super fan now. Uh, I think that's really cool, man. So I was just kind of stoked on that, but um, I'm happy for you, man. I, I really think with the you know the injury and losing that championship sucks. But I think it's gonna it's gonna help you grow. It's gonna help your 2020 probably be a little different. And then having Riley there and being engaged, man, I just I, I think this year the other riders need to be scared because I got a feeling Austin Forkner may go one 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 one. You know, it's it's it's, it's gonna <laughs> yeah. be rad. It's,
3: it's like and I, I just look back on like the whole injury thing, and it's like um it's like if I didn't have Riley or if I didn't have somebody to vent to, I'm like, I'm going to be honest, like, 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 I'm not afraid to admit it. Like I, I did my fair share of crying and I had bad days after that championship. And after I had surgery on my HTML, I had bad days. And like, it's, it's just good to just have somebody there with you. And that you can talk to, you can vent to, you can tell all your problems and everything. And they'll just listen. Like that's, that was like, it was just huge. And I really don't know what I would have done. If I hadn't have had her after my surgery, she helped me out so much with not only just like, like getting around because my knee was messed up, but like, mm-hmm. like just mental support and just like being supportive just for me and my situation. Cause I was honestly the pain of PCL is, uh, but like, I'm, I live every single day. I do stuff that's painful. Like whether it's cardio, I'm doing, I'm lifting all that. Like, not if it's really fun, like it all is. Suffer in it, so I'm like pain is is just like a thing, but it's just like the mental side, like the emotional side of it. Yeah, it's tough. Like I was so close to something that I've been working for for 20 years now, and like who, like you get so close to one thing you've been working your whole life for, and then in one day it's gone. Like it's just, it was tough. Like the business battle wasn't so much for me, the injury and. The pain and stuff. It was more just mental and emotional, and that's where Riley actually had a really, really big role. More than it, anything, was was that.
0: So. Well, that's good, man, because I think, like I said, it's going to be a positive in the long run. You're going to look back on this moment in your career and be like, "Yeah, it was just a little bump in the road," you know. And uh, um, last question before I let you go: Do you still have the same passion for riding when you throw your leg over a dirt bike? Do you still? you know get those goosebumps basically that most of us ride when we get to go to the track or is it become a job
3: sure. I'll I'll tell you in about 4 or 5 days whenever I can ride again, <laughs> right I'm, I'm gonna be really, really to ride again I'm watching guys ride and they're riding like a beat track today uh it's middle of summer it's just beat and it looks so fun to me like <laughs> like and that that like but them, they're just like, because like, they've been riding all season, they're just right. like, oh, but today sucks. And I'm like, dude, this it looks so fun. Like, <laughs> so that's how you get whenever you don't do something all the time and just stop. Yeah, you don't do it for almost five months, like you just itching to get back. So I'm, I, I'm, I will be honest. Whenever it's middle of the season, it's, like I didn't ride outdoors this year, but I know how outdoor teams and whatever. Fifth, sixth, seventh round of outdoors in the middle of the season, especially if you're not getting results, if you're getting six, seven, eight, uh, whatever, like you're just not getting those results that you want, and you're putting in all this work and all this time, and it's just things just aren't happening. That's when it's not fun. Yeah, like that that's not a good time because you're working so hard and you're doing all the things you think are right, and you're just. Having that, that was basically my 2018 outdoor season. I just kept, I would, I had the speed, I would win Lolo's, and I would GNS because I'd get taken out by a lapper or <laughs> taken out by somebody else or a bike would break or just yep. like so many things. And 2018 outdoor season was like that for me. And it's not fun when you're doing that. When you're doing all this work during the week and you're just like, for what? Something's going to happen this weekend. Like, it, you know, it's like, that's whenever it's not fun. But, um, I'll, when I when at this season whenever I was getting the results and it made going to the, it made going to the practice track during the week feel like it had a point. Okay. Like that it was, you were doing it for a reason. So like I'm doing this so I can keep winning, you know, like it gets to a point if you just have bad results and you're not having fun, then you're just like, what's the point, you know? Like, yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, for me right now, it's definitely going to be fun. Um, but uh, there are times and situations when it's not, and it does feel like a job on some days. But um, you know, it's I. I mean, it is tough, and but I, I think it's going to be worse.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll, I may ask you this again, you know, mid Supercross or right before Nationals. We'll see how it was, yeah. see how you feel. Yeah. But, Austin, awesome, man, thank right. you for taking some time and uh, Niners Nation. So. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Good luck, and I'll, uh, I'm will i sure I'll see you probably January.
3: All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, bud. Take care. See you.
0: All right. Bye. All right. That's Austin Fortner. He's going to come back strong, guys. You know this is going to be every year. Every year, right, we talk about uh, this is going to be the year. This is going to be an exciting year. The, the series is stacked, but we got Chase Sexton coming back. Fortner's going to be back stronger than ever. Um you know, we, Dylan Ferrandis, all those guys, this, this is going to be such a – I can't wait. I can't wait for Supercross. Nationals are over. I'm already ready. Um, I'm getting fired up. I may go take a break right now and go watch some Supercross before we get Brent, uh, Brent Rouse on. But anyway, we'll take a quick break and be right back. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible.
3: With research and development, they have become a leader in safety and comfort.
0: Fly racing is worn by many of the top athletes in motocross and supercross, including Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Andrew Short, Damon Bradshaw, and Adam and Tyler Intonat. W tray, I wear fly you wear fly too. The 2019 Fly Racing Line includes the popular light hydrogen, the new Evolution DST line the all-new women's light line, a redesigned F2 helmet, the FR5 boot, and Zone and Zone Pro goggles.
3: Fly Racing also has hard parts for mountain bike products and snow gear. Go to flyracing.com or check out your local dealer for more info.
1: If you're looking for top quality hard parts, you need to visit Torque One Racing. Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry and are a proud supporter of the Moto X Pod Show. Find the flow with Torque One Racing handlebars, levers, shifters, brake pedals, and grips. Torque One Racing is the title sponsor of the Moto X-Pod show, so support those who support us. Visit TorqueOneRacing.com and order your Defy lock-on grips today.
0: Blood Lubricant's signature products, Blood Power Sport Series, Blood Racing Pro Series, and Blood Racing Pro Elite Series were all created to bring out the highest level of performance and protection for all types of racing. From dirt track to off-road, motocross, supercross, and drag racing, bloodlubricants.com has what you need. Along with their oil lines, Blood Lubricants provides chain loop, degreaser, polyclean, and other top-notch products. Independent tests have shown Blood Lubricant oils to allow your bikes to run up to 30 degrees cooler. Give Jeff Green and Blood Lubricants a try, and you won't be disappointed. Blood Lubricant sponsors of Tyler Powers, Team PRMX, Team TXS, and many other pro supercross and motocross riders. Visit bloodlubricants.com today. Yeah, our next guest of the night is brought to you by Blood Lubricant. Blood Lubricant oil lines were created to bring out the highest level of performance and protection for all types of racing. Blood Lubricants has three series of oils to fit your needs, as well as chain lube, degreaser, polyclean, and more. Whether you ride moto, race dirt track, or anything else, visit bloodlubricants.com for your oil needs today. And don't forget to enter the Moto X Pod Show discount code. On the line with me, Privateer Brent Rouse. What's up, dude?
2: Not much, man. Thank you for having me on. I really
0: appreciate it. Absolutely. It was really, really cool getting a chance to meet you a couple weeks ago at the Swan MX Pro Challenge. Um, You are a true privateer, traveling with your dad, your buddy, um, just crossing the country, racing motocross, man. How's that as a lifestyle?
2: Yeah, actually uh it's my me and my brother uh we travel everywhere together. Uh, my dad flew out just for that race in Texas.
4: Okay.
0: Um
2: but yeah, for the whole season it's just me and my uh older brother who is my mechanic and uh I mean
0: I did not realize uh, that was your brother. I apologize. Oh, no, yeah,
2: no no problem. Um yeah, um I mean we we I love this sport, my brother loves this sport and it's always been our dream to be at this level. And I think that some people they have this expectation of, you know, you're gonna get on a team and you're gonna be, you know, catered to and and honestly, I grew up working family and after going through everything, I I I've really enjoyed the privateer life. I always hear people complain about it, but I think it's one of those half full or half empty kind of ordeals where yeah. I I look at it as, you know, I get I get to the country, I get to see the roads that not many people see because when you fly, you don't get to see all that, you know, that flyover states or the the in between towns and sure. all the cool stuff. To see in between everything, so um, I take I take you, you know everything into consideration, I have a different perspective on it because I know that in X years I'll be to work full time with my dad who owns a construction company where we live. So when I travel the country I you know, I make an account like, you know, I have an opportunity that not many people in this world will ever get. So I take everything in, you know, into consideration and I stop and I see like this summer I went to Mount Rushmore. I went to Savannah, Georgia. Um I just make stops in between at major iconic um cities or um Venues and stuff on the way, um, and I I love it. I love the product of
4: your life, and I can't really complain.
0: Yeah, that that seems like the way to do it, man. I mean, you're just te- you're making it, like I said. I mean, memorable and fun. It's not all work. You're having a good time with it. That's that's really cool. I I did not know you were getting to do that. Um, so we talked a lot about you know you got Bubba Burgers on board this year, helping you out a ton. Um, so if anybody that went to the Nationals walked through the pits, if you saw the van and the trailer with the Bubba Burger logo. That was Brent. Um, and you were also helping out the Rocky Mountain KTM team cooking burgers. Is that right at times? Uh,
2: that, that was during the Supercross, Supercross. season. So yeah, for West Coast Supercross, um, I was cooking um, burgers and doing their um, sponsor records So, inform um, the guests that Rocky Mountain would have. Yeah. Br- hey, hey,
0: Brent, your phone is kind of going up and down and in and out. Are, are you in a bad spot or are you on Bluetooth?
2: Um, hold on. I'm, I had bad service. Can you hear me now?
0: Yeah, I can hear you right now. It just kind of keeps changing every few seconds.
2: Okay. I, now I have better service, so hopefully that fixes. Okay,
0: no problem. But go ahead, finish, Um, finish what you're saying.
2: Yeah, so I, um, during the Supercross season, I, I did some sponsor rep work with the Rocky Mountain guys, and then during outdoors, obviously I have my own thing going on, and I don't really have the ability to help that team, um, and they, they do a good job on what they what they need to do. So um, I'm kind of on my own um, during the outdoor seasons, kind of just running my own program and right. my own team.
0: Um, talk about let's go back in history a little bit and talk about how you got involved with motocross, how that love you know for you and your brother. how did you guys discover it, and and you know just where that passion come from?
2: Well, I actually have a story that or it's an upbringing in motocross that's not really the traditional way of going about it. Um, my dad didn't race. My mom had no, nothing to do with motocross. And um, so my dad rode their bikes, but it was hardly ever. Um, okay. he, bought us, he bought us some bikes when we were little and we, I mean, we would ride, but when I say we would ride, it was maybe three or four times a year. It, it wasn't oh, much. Wow. That, that was when I was like four and five. And um so yeah, I didn't I didn't grow up doing all that. I played soccer, that's what my mom did in college. And um I would say I was I was in third grade and I was on a select team and a kid on the team asked me or found out we rode and his dad invited us out to a race at LA California where I'm from. Mhm. And uh I was absolutely terrible. Um I actually there was a pile up on the back foot jump and obviously I was a a beginner, so I rolled it and I seen the pile up and and I just didn't know what to do. And I ran straight into it. And when I tipped over either the shifter or the foot peg or something like, like went into my arm a little bit. So I had to go get some stitches and uh, that was my first race. I don't think I even made it my lap.
0: That's hilarious. So the first time you went to a motocross race wasn't to watch was the race and you got injured.
2: Yeah, and wow. some that got us hooked because my dad said you're not gonna be allowed to go back to races unless you can take the staples out yourself. And I <laughs> cut them out right a needle nose, and uh, pulled them out, and we just started racing. But again, we didn't we didn't know anything. We every Saturday night we knew there was a race at um, LACR. Yeah, and we show up and we raced. And I remember the first time we really went to a race. After that ordeal, my dad told me – because, again, we had no expectation. He couldn't tell me what to do. He just looked at me, and I remember this 100% Goes, just don't get last place. <laughs> and I got second from last. And he came off the track, and he goes, let's get third from last this next race. And I got third from last. And it, and that was basically still to this day kind of how I look at just the progression of how I race. and And from there, we just kept building – and we started winning that class, and then moved up and then um we a friend of ours at that track told us about what was called the gold cup. every state had those um and we did that series, and it brought us to a few different tracks and that's where I met um Daryl and rookie white um a lot of people know Rookie white as a kid who hit the two table top tops at l a c r
4: oh yeah, yeah, uh,
2: and I met that family when I was young, and they were a huge um I guess, a learning tool for us. Um, obviously, Rookie was on factory or had factory Suzuki support on 85, 85s, the Kalini riders, both of them. So, already kind of gone through everything. So, when we met them, they kind of told us, like, you know, you yeah. go to World Mini, and we had never even heard what a national was. We were still racing now, at this point, just local tracks around us. So, I remember when we did that, and at this point in my life, I was in eighth grade, so I was on a 150. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I got lapped every single race by Cooper Webb and Adamson sorillo In the very last moto of the, of the day, I think I was it was a, one of the last motos of the whole weekend, and I didn't get lapped. I was two corners ahead of them by the time the finish line came over, or by the time I went on the finish line. I didn't get lapped, and you would have thought I won the race. I mean, because it's that little progression that we've seen that, I mean, I was getting smoked and getting lapped. I was, like, a little bit back from mid-pack, but I was getting lapped. Right. And so the, on the last one where we didn't get lapped, I mean, we were stoked about it. <laughs> but that's, that's when it hit us that if we're going to do this whole racing thing, we need to take it more serious. Because at this point, we've never even gone to a practice before.
0: Oh, we okay. Only... Just raced.
2: So my dad said, well, we need to do some practices. So then we started practicing instead of going to races because we'd get more time on the bike. And um, but, I, but I live at the beach in California, so I live so far from the track. Right. Um, we went one day a week. And so I started riding practice days instead of race days. Um, and we did that until I got on the big bike. And then I went to the Dodge National like killed in like the C class and my dad goes either you need to quit or we need to take this a lot more serious because we haven't progressed that much in the last year or so so then at that point we hired Sean Hamlin and it was the first train I ever had okay. and when I went to B class and Sean Hamlin brought me from being just an, an everyday local mid-pack B kid to we went to Texas the following year in B class, I went 5-5 five, five, in 250 Open, um, and, like, I crashed in the first turn in the main event in the B class and came all the way back to 11. And that's when people started talking to us and saying, um, you know, your kid, you know, telling my dad, like, your kid can go pro if, if he rides one day a week and he's getting top fives in the B class at a major national. Yeah. You you remember O'Kill back in the day was a major happen.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah, and that's that's pretty badass that you the progression went that quick. Like it was just a mindset for you, clearly. I mean, the fact that I love what you said about like I didn't get lapped and that was like a win. I mean that that's competition, right? I mean, okay, you know, I'm not the fastest guy right now, but here's my competition. I'm gonna not be lapped or whatever. I mean, that's that's the fact that you kept pushing through and progressed and that your dad told you, Hey, we got to take this more serious. And you just did. That's, that's pretty rad.
2: Yeah. And I mean, and I, I remember when we went pro and well, the only way, only reason we went pro, cause again, we, we still didn't know anything. Like we just, everything we learned was self taught or friends telling us what to do.
4: Mm-hmm. And sometimes
2: the advice wasn't always right. Um, but it was better than having no idea at all. And, um, so we went pro because I remember I was at Mammoth and the bike blew up. But I, I kept coming from like, the back of the track because I got terrible starts. Still a problem today. And I'd be working my way through the field. And I remember the bike blew up and I pushed off the track. And I was so mad. I told my dad, I said, let's just go pro. Like I, if you, like that one said, if you're getting top fives at NASCAR, you had to pro speed. Yeah. You just need to be longer. And I've always been an endurance person. I love the physical aspect of racing, how hard it is. So the endurance thing was kind of my forte. So I said, let's just go pro because it's going to be just like every aspect of our racing career so far. We're going to come in, we're going to suck, we're going <laughs> to get, we're going to get beat, and we're going to keep getting beat, but we're going to keep progressing. And it's been that way my whole life, and I knew that. So I said, instead of staying down another year and getting some more top fives, and probably getting overlooked because I only rode the stock class because we didn't mod bikes. My dad didn't believe in modding bikes for me. So
4: That's I said,
2: Yeah, he told me, and, and I use this to my um, you know, outlook of racing to this day, he always, always used to tell me, he'd first hit me with, do you think you're riding that bike as fast as it can go? And sometimes I would say, yeah, I do. And then he would look at me and say, do you think James Stewart can – Could
0: beat you on that bike and i would say yeah and he says, so yeah yeah that's your dad man that's he's the voice of reason i like that like he you know not pulling any punches but motivating you at the same time
2: yeah because he he grew up in a background where he ran away at a young age and he's made a very good life for himself and he always told me and he always told us like when we would get beat like this and he would always say if you really want something in this life, you won't make the excuses. You'll just make it happen. Like, you don't need to tell other people. Like, no one else needs to tell you what to do to work hard. You'll just do it. Yeah. And so, and I, I agree 100%. So, when whenever, you know, obviously you get frustrated at races and you start throwing blame on the bikes too slow or, or the suspension hasn't been serviced in three years because we would go that long without suspension. Sure. And he would always come back with, I guarantee you, Ricky Carmichael could have won that race on your bike against all those kids. And I would always, you know, I mean, you couldn't argue with that because you could have put Carmichael on that bike, and he probably still would have won.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you're right. You know, and as human beings, we like to make excuses, and you know, well, if, if I had this, or if, you know, this person has this advantage, but really, that's not always what. Very rarely is that the reason for you know your quote on not necessarily failure but you know just you have to work your ass off and you're doing that man i mean it's cool you know you're going to the, driving across the country to go to these nationals and i know you're not getting rich i'm sure um but you're doing it for the no. love of it and doing it for whatever it is that drives you that's what it's about, man. That's what motocross is about, and and you know, go into freaking WW Ranch when it feels like it's three hundred degrees, and you know, for what really other than the love of the sport?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I I remember like at WW, for instance, I was in the um, LCQ, and, and I remember I battled it out all moto. I had this guy cutting the track to pass us, and. I mean, most people would have seen the pit board and seen, like, I was in, I think, 14th at the time, and they probably would have backed off. But, I mean, I battled people all the way to the, the finish line for, for nothing, really. Yeah. But, but as racers, you know, we're the kind of people who are like, unless and you and get back in the pack and you have a bike problem, sure, you can pull off or just cruise around, whatever, so be it. But I'm the kind of person where if there's nothing wrong, I'm going to keep pushing all the way to the end. Um, just cause I paid a lot of money to be here and I've made a lot of sacrifices to be here. My parents have made a lot of sacrifices. So I'm going to use every lap on that track I can to progress because the only way you'll ever get better at racing nationals is by racing nationals. The more time you can spend on that track, the better you'll be. So that's how I've always looked at the LCQ. I mean, I don't really care what place I am. I want to do all the laps in it. And that's, I mean, at Swan, I crashed in that, that rhythm section. Yep. And, I, I rushed back to my brother, and I said, let's get some tools and straighten everything out. I hadn't realized I had bent the bar mount so far the other way. I just thought everything was bent up. So <laughs> yeah. I had to kind of, like, roll the bars forward, and and I tried to go back on the track. And, and obviously, I made it, like, another four feet and realized how bad the bike was actually mangled up. And we came back, and he was like, why did you think you can make it uh, keep going? And I said... Because, again, I mean, like I said before, we've made a lot of sacrifice to get here, and I paid, you know, we paid money to race, and I. And this is a 30-minute moto, and it's on lap three that happened. I have plenty of laps to do. Yeah, I'm out of contention for money, but I still want to get my time on track. We paid for that time. so. That. And that's, like, again— that's the only way you're going to progress is like getting back on the track and continue to ride, continue to push to be in the races or practice just to be on the track. People make a lot of sacrifices. And I see a lot of kids growing up who just pull off the track. And I'm kind of like, I think if they were paying that money, they would think they would, they'd be a lot different, you know? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's very impressive that you have that mentality. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the bike builds, man. That's something that that's kind of how you and I really started talking uh, I mean, you were hanging out with Van Martin and the crew over there, but we started talking about the old, uh, 99 CR 250 I had in parts. And, uh, you do a lot of bike builds, your website, uh, Brent Rouse five, five, three dot com. There's a bunch of them listed on there. Talk about that with you and your brother and that the passion for that.
2: Yeah. So it's actually my, my brother was the one who, who got into that, um, I am the generation of kid who never really rode a two stroke. I was, I came off a six, I rode a Honda 50, a Cowie 65, and a Honda 150, and then four strokes throughout. So I never really rode two strokes, but my brother did. Um, his first big bike was the 252 stroke, because um, he's a little bit older than me. So it's always been his thing to build and do all these bikes. And, um, they started growing popularity. I know he did like a couple of them on his own Mm -hmm. and grew a little bit of popularity. And he bought this 1995 and that was our first real build. And that's the year I was born. So (laughs) it kind of like, you know, it resonated with me like, Oh, okay. I want to help build this life with you. Yeah.
0: All I I get from that is I'm old.
2: Yeah. That's what everyone tells me when I say that.
0: Um, (laughs) 95.
2: Yeah. So, it resonated with me, so I was like, you know what? Like I wanna help you build this and you know, I have a lot of connections through sponsors and stuff. Um, so I said, Let me reach out to my personal sponsors and then so I reached out and that's and then I got in contact um, with Jay Clark, who does a lot of the bike builds for Race X, and he said, Well like, you know, what what are you planning on doing? And and we kinda explained to him and he said, Well, I can help out and we can put in race X. Uh, magazine on their online stuff. So we worked together on it and we we made this elaborate build and it, it, was, it, it was our first real big one and it was an eye opener to how much work goes into these, especially when we started working with the magazine. And uh, my brother ended up giving it to me on my birthday, um, the bike. So then it kind of became a thing we started doing and uh, we the building three or four more of them and right now we're in the start of two more for uh, the remainder of the year but um it's just a lot of the companies they
0: hey Brent, they do, i can't they, hardly hear you oh i'm sorry
2: hold on okay i keep getting a lot of calls and that might be what's cutting in here oh uh, okay yeah because i got like four missed calls right now <laughs> um busy guy yeah i don't know i don't know why there are people are calling right now um <laughs> So, yeah, it, it gained a lot of popularity, and a lot of our sponsors loved the um, the exposure it got because they get a lot of views.
4: Yeah. And
2: um, that's kind of how it took off when the sponsors loved it, and, you know, my brother, he wants to do it. And now his goal is he wants to have 102 strokes one oh, day. Nice. And he's, he's sitting at 20 right now, but we have no room for bikes, so <laughs> we're tearing them in boxes and uh, just shoving them in little sheds. They're just sitting in these little plastic boxes, um, and then he pulls them out when it comes time to build them. We build them, and then we put them in dealerships to display because we have no room for them.
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys need a, a showroom.
2: Well, yeah, and I mean, anyone who's been to Los Angeles or the beach cities out here knows there is no room. I can touch my neighbor's houses.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's tight living out there. Um, I I love SoCal. I, I I'm ready to get back out there. I love the beach, so I'm kind of jealous that you get to live by the beach.
2: Yeah, the weather is a lot nicer than out there. I can say that.
0: Yeah, it's it's super hot, super humid here. Um, you know, out there there's that dry heat, but man, you could always just go get in the in the Pacific Ocean or go up in the mountains or whatever. I, I love it. Um,
2: yeah, see where I live. Um, I'm I'm really close to the ocean, so I just get a breeze at all times. So we yeah. don't really have. To. Ours is seventy-five
0: year round. Oh, sounds perfect. I, I may come visit soon, so yeah. If I if I knock on your door, I'm I'm here to hang out.
2: Well, it should be good when you get here for World Betz, though.
0: Dude, yeah, I'm really. I cannot wait for that. I've I've been training, which is uh, saying a lot for me, uh, and I'm ready, man. I can't wait. November first can't get here quick enough.
2: Well, it's one of those things. If you can do ten laps in Texas in the summer, you can do a hundred here in California.
0: That's good because I can right now. I can do about eight laps here in Texas. So maybe by the by the November I could do ten. Hopefully.
2: <laughs> Are they ten lap races for you guys?
0: Oh like, no, no! I, like you mean at, at Vet Worlds or here?
4: <laughs> yeah, Vet World.
0: Uh, I think they're five lap races. So two five lappers per class, I believe.
4: Oh, you should
2: be fine
0: then. Uh, you don't know how bad a, out of shape I am, man. Uh,
2: that, yeah, the track was rough too,
5: so that that won't help
0: though. Right. Yeah, but I I've been riding my mountain bike and I've been running and I, I rode it underground this last weekend and what Swan a couple weekends ago. So I'm gonna do my best to be race ready.
2: Well, that's good. I mean, again, like you said, keep training. What and the heat's gonna help you, I think, because when you get here, it won't be as hot. Yeah, so that's gonna help you a lot. And um, I I think a lot of it's mental, honestly.
0: You're it, probably it, right. A I lot have... of it's
2: mental. If you know you're gonna to, to um, you know suffer a little bit and you just come to terms with that, then I think you'll you'll be fine with it.
0: Yeah, I need to I need to get my mindset right for that, like you know the mental side of it. And you know I, I came out two years ago and did it for the first time. It's the first time I'd ever raced Glen Helen. I rode a bike I'd never been on. Rich Taylor loaned me a bike. Um, and even the day I was supposed to race Sunday and Saturday morning literally in the halfway through practice, Rich was like, Hey, we're not going to be here Sunday. So if you want to race, you got to race today. So it was really just a, uh, it, it, it wasn't exactly the way it was planned, but it was a lot of fun. So this year I think is going to be a little better.
2: Yeah. Cause, and especially cause you've been to Glen Helen, you yep. kind of know what to expect. Uh, the track, they change, but not majorly. I mean, the hills don't move. Right. Right. Uh, you know, and th- a few stationary objects don't move. So, <laughs> They, they kind of figure through those little areas, and um, you'll learn it a lot faster. I've had friends come out here and tell me the same thing. Like, the first time they came, the hills were very intimidating, um, which is surprising to me because I kind of feel that some of the other nationals have a little bit steeper hills than we do.
0: Yeah, I heard that, um, like, Millville is a little steeper, but I don't think it's as tall, or, or I can't remember. Maybe I've got that backwards, but... Um, I
2: think Millville is steeper. That's my opinion. Yes. But I... A lot of people have also told me that's because I've grown up my whole life at Glen Helen, so it just seems normal to me. Right. Um, I remember when I rode in Millville. I mean, it did feel at home. Like I made a lot of passes in my, like in during qualifying and in our LCQ races coming down the hills <laughs> because just something where people that I've learned on the East Coast, some people who live in like let's say Kansas, mm-hmm. they've never even seen a hill before. Um, so they say like, you know, coming down, they, are a little bit hesitant on how fast to hit the bumps and how fast to hit the corner. Um, where going to Glen and all you have down the hill is bumps with hardly any rut at the bottom.
4: Exactly. So,
0: uh, yeah. That's
2: you go to Millville and you're like, you're charging down, but you have a massive run on the bottom and you're like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is nice bugs right here.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Well, you're, you're you're just even listening to you say that. You're you're so much more talented than I'll ever be cuz I I go down the hills and I'm like, okay, I'm on the front brake, I'm on the rear brake, and I'm gaining speed and I have no idea how I'm going to make that corner. Please, please let it stop. So.
4: Yeah. Well, it's, it's
2: funny because so Glen Helen during the national season, yeah. I absolutely hate the track because of the unnecessary jumps that they add. Yep. Uh, I just I find them very stupid. But the dirt is amazing during the national. And um, the first race I ever qualified in the 450 class was at Glen Helen. And I remember sitting on the line, and before I rolled up, I told my dad, because my dad at this point had ne- never missed a race I've been to. And I told him, I'm going to do the best I can, but this track is very dangerous. So I said, whatever that is, that's what it is. Like, I don't want to hear... Like I don't want to come off the track and hear you say I couldn't have done this or that.
0: <laughs> That's cool. And
2: I um, and I got a good start there, and that Glen Hall, I'm pretty confident in how to start there, and uh, so I got like a fourth place start, I believe. And um, I remember I passed one guy coming into the second corner, and then we we're coming down the big downhill, and I knew if I didn't hit, if I didn't get to the lead before those big jumps, I wasn't we weren't going to win this LCQ or maybe even qualify. So I remember I launched off the top of Mount St. Helens and I held it on at least halfway or more. That's nuts. And I passed three guys just on the downhill on the very first lap. Um, And again, I've done it my whole life. I've done that hill. And I think everyone who was in front of me was from East Coast guys. So, like, (laughs) they let off so early and I was just like, I got to go. Like, I have to pass down this hill because the big jumps happen like right after that one. Yep. And I said, I got to get to those big jumps first because as soon as someone checks up on one of those massive jumps, you lose like five to ten seconds just there. So I said, I have to be the first one there in case someone checks up on the jump. And we ended up going on to lead every single lap winning. and winning. I never would have guessed that Glenn Helen would have been the first national I made. Everyone says, oh, it's your home track. But I'm like, yeah, but I hate it. Like, I hate to do this down <laughs> Like, I do them, too, and the problem yeah. is I say that everywhere I go. Like, I remember went to Larocca, or um, Red Bud, and they had the LaRocca right out of a corner. Yep. And I remember saying, do they really need to put it right out of the corner? Like, what, why? Like, why do they do this? And then, sure enough, I hit it, like, third lap. But, like, I always complain. And my buddy, Brandon Cher, who I travel with um, in the 2018 season, mm-hmm. he, he used to, like, always give me – you know, crap about that. Cause he goes, you complain about every big jump on every track we go to, but you're one of the very first guys in B to hit every single one, every race we've been to.
0: Uh, that's funny. And I
2: always tell him, like, I will do it as soon as I watch one of you guys do it. Like I will do it, but I don't want to. Right. Even when I take out the ball I'm just like, why, why do we have to have this big jump here? I... And it's funny because the only track that I actually like all the jumps at is um, Ironman this year. I thought that track was so
5: good.
0: Yeah, they, that's what I heard. That a lot of people said that was really, really great. A few people said it was still a little like sloppy or maybe a little bit muddy, but um, yeah.
2: But considering how much rain they got leading in, because I was yep. there on Tuesday, okay, and it was downpouring Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, leading into it. What would you think? Um, so they got. Go ahead. So on,
0: I was just, go ahead and finish. I
2: said, "Oh, I said they they got a lot of rain there, a lot more than people thought they did." So for the amount of rain and everything, yeah, it was a little deep. I think they could have they could have worked the track a little better. But the layout, the jumps, I mean, they had massive jumps, but they're all tabletop landings. You can get a lot of style off of them. Um, I'm not even someone who whipped, but I was I was at one point whipping for the crowd.
0: That's awesome. And, Love
2: it. Yeah. So that that track, like I would have never thought I'd actually like that track until. I wrote it and I was like, this track is awesome. Like I like all the big jumps and I'm not someone who like, I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy where every big jump I hate. Um, Right. I just, the unnecessary ones. Sometimes I'm kind of like, like, I don't know why we have these. Glen Helen was always the one where I'm like, why is this a big double? Like, why couldn't this be a big tabletop? Yeah. Um, That was, I'm the kind of person like that, but like, I don't mind the, the wide open hitting jumps, That that doesn't bother me. Um, But you know, I thought Ironman was an awesome track. Actually, I think they did a great job in all of them this year. Um, Paula was awesome. Red Bud was awesome. I think – I don't know what they might have done um, with Davey Coombs, what he said or what their plan of attack was, but this year the tracks seem to be a lot better than they usually are. And I think some of the racing was a lot better um, in some of the classes. So hopefully they do something like that next year as well.
0: Yeah. I think there was a, a lot of people have talked about the track prep this year and yeah. And maybe, maybe they're listening. I hope so because that's what we want is good racing, right? We want everybody, we want to be fairly close and uh, have a battle. I mean, who wants a championship wrapped up two rounds before the end? Um, yeah. yeah. Good racing is what it's about. That's why the people pay the money to go, go to the races and we pay the money for the NBC sports gold app and all that. Um, uh, what do you think about Millville and how that thing came around after the storm that morning?
2: So, Millville is a funny story. So, I, I guess, it, long story short, I didn't even race Millville. Okay. Um, I, I was there. I got geared up, ready to go out for the first uh, qualifying.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: we, we could see, like, the wind got picked up while we were sitting on the line. There's lightning coming, and we're like, oh, they are going to call this. And a bunch of, like, a bunch of local guys, kind of, like, their mechanics just to walk off. And I'm like... You know, I from California, I was just sitting there and then it just started downpouring. And I was the first guy who started my bike up and just started heading back and, and the AMA officials were like, No, 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 we're gonna wait it out to stay here and I'm like, I am not staying here to get a let you know, to to get uh struck by lightning or to get flooded. So I I you know, motored back to the to the team setup and uh, like I talked to Bobby Piazza who was riding for me that weekend mm-hmm. and he was I barely made it up some of the hills. So we're sitting there and I was in my gear all the way until about four minutes before we were going to head back out. And um, a friend of mine came up and he was not in his gear. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm not going to go out there because there is no way we're going to qualify because there was 39 guys in A. So they're only going to take one guy out of B. Yeah. Said, that's true. And he goes, they're going to take one guy out, and he goes, what are your odds of being number one? I said, I would like to say really good, but I'm an awful mudrider. <laughs> so I said, I'm the kind of guy who has both feet off at all times. So I said, you know what? I think you're right on this one. I, I talked to my brother. We called my dad, and when we all came to agreement. We're like, you know what? Let's not risk sucking the water in the race bike or, yeah, or having yeah. a function or anything of that nature. Cause we only got one 10 minute session. Um, so I, we were doing the math. You got three laps. So I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, let's be honest. Like there's, there's not a good chance that I'm going to make that. So yeah, we, we ended up backing out and we looked at the times and the times were 45 seconds. The fastest B guy was 45 seconds slower than the fastest A guy. Or the slowest A guy.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> so,
2: in our opinion it was a smart move. I mean I think I, so. I, yeah, my, my brother and the other kid who was racing with us who traveled to that race um with me, they raced amateur day. Um so I mean it wasn't a waste. I had like said Bobby Shawza in the Milton that weekend and I had another guy, so it wasn't a waste but uh, I would have liked to ride but just knowing that mud is not my strong suit and how much it rained, because it's, I don't know if you were there. Yeah, oh yeah. But if you were at that race, I mean, it down for The first time I thought we had a lot of rain, but the second go around when we were sitting on the line, yeah. that was so hard for like two hours. And I was like, this track's not even going to be rideable anymore.
0: That's what I thought too, you know. Yeah, I thought it was gonna. Just, you know, they were talking about cutting it down to just uh, one moto each and shortening the motos, and then they ended up running the full schedule. So they they did a tr- tr- tremendous amount of work. Around.
2: Yeah, and they turned that track around like it was incredible yep. how much rain we got and how good the track was during the day. I was I was so impressed, and that 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 stood out to me because I mentioned that to a few people at Iron Man because, like you said. Ironman had a few spots that were very bad. And I'm like, what blows me away is um, Middleville got more rain than this on race day, and there was not many sections that were this bad. Right. So I was like, you know, I think the people at Ironman maybe could have done a little bit better in, in those few sections. But as a whole, I think the layout was awesome. I think I would say more than half the track was awesome. Um, but I do think there's a few sections there that they either need to taper so that the water will come run off of it, or maybe divert the track and maybe move the pits to that area and build the track a little bit more the other side where it's gotcha. a little bit harder. Right. That's my opinion, but I'm not a track builder, so.
0: <laughs> Me either. But, well.
2: But I think the one side of the track was so awesome and it, it developed really well, and the other side was just so deep. <laughs> and I struggled on that side of the track. I, I definitely could have been better over there. Um, but we all ride in the same track. So it's not like I had a disadvantage against anybody
0: else. Sure. Sure. Well, man, you got a great attitude and I am just really pleased to have the chance to have met you and and hang out with you for a little bit and look forward to following your, you know, 2020 race racing season, man. I really appreciate you coming on tonight and giving us some of your time.
2: Yeah. I appreciate Again, I appreciate you uh, having me on. and um, Like I said, I, I love this sport. I love, I've always dreamed about being at this level of racing. So, um, I mean, when I line up, and even if I don't qualify good or, or how, how it ends up, you know, I, I love being out there. And and every year I'm, I'm progressing and and I I'm taking it just as I took my whole amateur career. That you know, I never moved up to any class and was spectacular. Uh, but you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and yeah, and I don't I don't believe success for myself will, um, but. I do believe that I can make a name for myself, um, results-based, not just on my team and, and what else I do um, within the industry. I think that I can start to build a solid foundation of results for myself. And um, so that, that's what I'm working hard for. And and it, it would be major, I, I think, I can at that point. I think I would be one of the very few riders – or the only rider, um, I'm actually blind to one eye. I was born that way and uh, partially partially deaf in one ear. So I think if I can, you know, start to build a better name for myself and get some results, I I think it would show just kind of one of those underdog stories and one of those, you know, don't, don't let anything hold you back. Um, you know, I, I, I've never used my vision to, you know, to try to justify my riding or anything because i like i tell everybody i've never seen out of two eyes so i couldn't tell you what that's even like
0: <laughs> true true um, yeah I
2: was, I was born with only seen out of one and it's the only thing i've ever known so um to me I, i've never used that as a limitation for myself but um you know i do tell little kids um i i was um offered a training gig this summer and i and i do tell kids you know and don't don't let anything hold you back and, and i always use that as a way to motivate kids and just to let them know that, you know, you know, I grew up as a guy who never raced. We didn't know what we were doing. You know, my vision, my hearing stuff of that might've held me back, but I just kept working at it and I got to this level. And my dad always tells kids when I'm training, he always goes, I never thought he'd leave the novice class. And so we've made it a lot further than we ever thought we would. And and I take that into consideration every time I'm on the line that, you know, if I, I told my dad this summer, um, I think I qualified like fifth. I qualified fifth out of one of the rounds, and me and him were talking about just the progression that I've gone through, and and you know that was my my best um, group qualifying, and I just said like you know can you imagine if back when we were at LACR riding <laughs> Saturday nights if someone would have come up and told you that your kid would be a pro one day and he will qualify for races, I was like I would have well, I think we both would have laughed
0: at him. Right. Yeah. Well, man, you're an inspiration. It's really, really a badass story. And, yeah, man, it's it's just cool. And thanks for coming on and talking about it. Yeah,
2: thank you for having me. Um, and I'm glad I can share my story. And I think a lot of people don't know who I am or, you know, what I stand for. And, um, you know, I love the privateer life. And, you know, I love grinding away at it, and I want to get better. And um, so, again, thank you for letting me come on and just, you know, uh tell everyone about
0: myself. Absolutely, Brent. It was great meeting you and uh we'll talk to you real soon, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. See you later. All right. That is Brent Rouse R O U S E. Check him out, Brent Rouse553.com. Follow him on Instagram. Uh really great kid and just yeah, man, he's got a lot. Of- A lot of really cool story. You know, I didn't know any of those details about his uh, starting out, getting riding and and the way he was brought up. Sounds like he's got really great parenting, obviously. Um, Very inspirational. I cannot wait to watch him next year and follow his story. Okay, going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Eric and Eli Tetzleff. For decades, Achirbis has been the leader in moto plastic and accessories. With research and development, they continue to be on the top step of the podium each year. With products that fit perfectly, look amazing, and last, Achirbys is what you need. Achirbys is the proud sponsor of Factory Red Bull KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and many more teams. If you're looking for full plastic kits, individual pieces, discards, chain guide sliders, and blocks, frame guards, gear, or any other of the numerous products Achirbys offers, visit achirbysusa.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and Brian and the crew will take care of you. Make sure to let them know that the Moto X-Pod show sent you. Once again, we're back, with another guest of the night. Our next guest is brought to you by Extreme Colors. Man, when you're rolling up to the line with a custom-painted helmet, it's one of the coolest feelings you can have. If you've never had a custom-painted helmet, you're missing out. Kirk Hunter and Extreme Colors has been painting helmets since 1989, and its price is still the same to today. $295 gets you a professional, one-of-a-kind paint job on your lid. So contact Kurt at XKHelmetPainting at gmail.com or just hit us up at the Moto X-Pod show contact form. We'll get you in contact with him. On the uh, On the line with us right now is Elijah Tesliff. Uh Elijah, what's up, dude? Not much. What's going on? Dude, just uh, plugging away with another show and um, really excited to talk to you, man. Your your dad contacted me earlier, and it's been a little while since we've talked to you. And last time was... You know, you were kind of starting your journey to Loretta's. And why don't you talk about how that went? What was the whole experience like just as a whole to begin with? Getting there, uh, you know, uh, qualifying everything.
3: Oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> when I uh, talked to you, I think I was doing like ninth at Freestone. Um, yeah. I'd come back, I was still on a 125. And I came back and I ended up getting a 250 and put some time on that just hit as many of the fastest races as we could to put ourselves up against some competition. And, um, we did that, headed off to regionals and ended up doing a lot better than I was, than I thought I was going to do. ended up getting a regional championship, came home with a win at Millville and, um, just went into Loretta's with a lot of confidence and it was just, it was a whole exciting deal. It was a lot of fun. Um, I just don't think I've, I, it could have gone better.
0: Yeah. So talk about that. I mean, going in with the confidence that, that, I mean, that's got key right there, right? I mean, you, you you probably didn't think in the beginning of this journey that you would have that confidence, but I mean, clearly with all these races and all this competition, something, something changed.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Getting on the bigger bike and feeling comfortable on it just helped a lot and going to those races and seeing the guys before you end up going into competition with them and then going in that first race and just going as hard as you can and getting yourself in front of them really helps and then going to Loretta's with that that head of steam really just it changed everything it made it made me want to go to regionals and like regionals I'd never liked regionals before that but (laughs) If you want to go back and put myself against those fast guys again.
0: Yeah, so talk about how the week of Loretta's went for you. I mean, um, it's a long week, uh, a lot of a lot of pressure probably. You know, you, your parents You spent a lot of money go to get you there, uh, a, a lot of fast guys from all over the country. Uh, but then, you, you know, you go out there and, and do your thing. Just talk about that week and what it was like for you
3: oh yeah the the week went great actually we got there we got a good spot um ended up having really good weather for all my races I came in and it was like 80s and wasn't too hot nice breeze and just good practice session I um I really got to feel the track and had a lot of fun on the track and just went out there and rode my ride instead of trying to put down the hottest lap I could and Played a little mental game by not wearing my transponder but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun doing that stuff and just going out and riding the
0: best I could and
3: putting down motos. And the more, uh, the better you do in those motos, it just it carries you through the scene through the week.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that. And remind our listeners what classes you rode.
3: Um, I rode 250C Limited and 250C Junior Limited. And Yeah,
0: and what were your finishes?
3: I think I ended up, I was overall in the 250C Junior Limited, and I think 17th or 22nd overall in the 250C Limited.
0: That's Brad, dude, and and this is your first time going, correct?
3: Yep, first time going.
0: So what's what's the plan? where, Where are you progressing to now? Like, what's the plan? for the rest of 2019, and what are your plans for 2020? Are you going to move up to the B-Class, or are you going to try to do C again?
3: Um, well, we moved up already. We're going to the we're just gonna, right, I think the plan is for now, for the rest of the 2019, we we'll B-Class locally, and then um,
5: 2020 we go down to Freestone and
3: see how we stack up there and yeah. make the call from there and see if we need a little bit more training
5: or we're good where we at
3: and we just need to work on techniques.
0: That's awesome, man! Like, what do you do for training? what's your What's your weekly reg, reg, regimen?
3: Up here, when I'm um, getting ready for when I was getting ready for Loretta's, we did uh, about two to three days a week riding uh, over at our local track, Astalon. It's about twenty minutes away. It was built in an old gravel pit, so the dirt's not the best, but <laughs> doesn't um, sound like it. Yeah, make do with what we got. So hell yeah, yeah, two to three. Two to three days over there, and then um, I try to get on the bike during the days I'm off and just go ride around town and get my legs moving.
0: There you go. That sounds like what I'm trying to do. Like I try to ride BMX at night and ride some mountain biking just to just to get my old ass in halfway decent shape.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it really does it to you.
0: Right, you're you're not lying. I think I'm gonna go buy a road bike this week. Like probably just a cheap Walmart road bike, but something just to start doing that also because. I got. I was just talking to uh, – well, I just had Brent Rouse on the phone, and he's a privateer, and I was like, hey, man, I'm doing vet nationals this year, and i got a long way to go to get in shape, and I've only got about a month and a half, if it, even not, barely that. Yeah, a lot of
3: those guys
4: are
3: killing it on those road bikes. Some of those, some of those dudes that train the motocross riders are, like, pro road bikers. <laughs> right. They go out and do, yeah. like, four
0: hey elijah your phone's going in and out can you get to a better spot
3: uh yeah i can try
0: okay am i good right here uh yeah that's okay um it's it's actually been the theme tonight everybody i've talked to so far has had phone issues that's just part of what we deal with i think with cell phones these days but um but yeah i'll never be uh the professional mountain bike or road bike guy that's just i don't enjoy it but I enjoy it more than I do running. So I'm going to have to give it a shot. And, um, as I get older and you could probably, your dad could probably attest to this. Things just start working less and less and you feel like shit all the time. And, um, you know, I went out to underground, one of our local tracks this last weekend and man, it really gets frustrating. You go out there and you want to go fast and you just can't. And it sucks. So yeah, I I got to figure this training thing out, man. But, um, Talk a little bit about you know your dad worked as you know worked a lot and did a lot for you to get you to these races um talk about what it's like to have you know your dad supporting you so much, your family on board, and uh allowed you to live this dream
3: oh uh, it's it's good um i I get closer with him every day 'cause yeah. you you get to talk to him all the time and you get to spend all those weekends with him and I just think it it's totally because you all of them, you know, I'm doing this and I'm really committed to it. And I'm sorry if it takes out of something that you're trying to do, but it's just—it's cool. And they're completely supportive with it and they're totally behind it. I don't get—I couldn't get any more support, from them, so I'm happy with what I got.
0: Well, good for you, Elijah. I'm proud of you, man. It's really been cool to kind of hear your story and get a chance to visit with you a little bit here and there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's awesome, man, what your dad's doing and and this motocross is a family sport. Um, you know, whether it be your actual immediate family or the people that you, you know, get to know while traveling and going to the races, they become family. Um, so it's really a a very cool story to hear. And and I've had a great pleasure getting the chance to just, get to know your dad a little bit through social media and the show and talk it and, and all that. So man, it's cool. I'm, and I'm, I'm happy for you, dude. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. Is your dad there where I could talk to him?
3: Uh, yeah. He's over here one second. All right. What's,
5: up, Dark Side?
0: What's up, Eric? How are you, man? Good. How proud, how proud of you of your boy?
5: Oh, I'm so proud. He. <laughs> He did so well, better than I could even imagine.
0: That's what I was gonna ask. Like going into this thing and deciding that, hey, we're gonna we're gonna see how this goes. Like, what did you think? What were your expectations at that time?
5: Going into it, I was hoping for you know a top twenty, top ten. I mean, I I, I shouldn't say that. I was hoping to win. <laughs> but going into it realistically, yeah. I was thinking we could do like a top ten.
0: Okay. Yeah, that that's so. still that's pretty that's that's really good expectations. You had a I mean you know, like I, I find myself being negative on my my expectations of myself. So sure. Yeah, so that's pretty cool that you had that much faith in your boy, man. And I mean he he seems like he's working his butt off and um, he seems yeah. very uh, very appreciative of it, and I know it's it's not easy, man. These things are expensive.
5: Oh yeah, it, I mean not to throw a dollar amount out there, but it was it was not cheap. Yeah, and you know we did it. We did it with my truck, and we have this twenty foot trailer that's got a little bit of uh, the front ten feet is camper. Okay. So, um. I mean, that's the way we spent the weekend. <laughs> it was it was uh, interesting to see all the big haulers, yeah, and all the
0: buses. And...
5: But also, it was interesting to see too people with the same setups, if not less than what we had. So, right, quite a mix.
0: Yeah, man, that's the hey. Loretta's is you know the like the the heart of it, right? I mean, you get yeah, all walks, yeah. all all. um and, uh, skill levels, not, no, I guess not all skill levels, but, uh, you know, whether it be the beginners or the, 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 a riders, the, the fast kids, you know, but you have all mixes yeah. and Pete, like you say, people coming in that are on quote unquote factory equipment and people that are coming on, on bone stock stuff, but it's all about the love of it and suffering through the, the temperatures and the work. But for something that we yeah. love, we, we were just talking to a privateer, Brent Rouse, who, who is uh man? That's the life he lives. You know, he's a he's a true privateer, and you got you have to love this sport to do it that way. Sure,
5: yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was definitely quite the experience. You know, it was a roller coaster ride with with his finishes and stuff. Yeah. But it was just a an awesome weekend, and you know, I love it, and i I hope I hope that. He wants to do it again, but I'm not going to force him into anything. I mean, we've been having fun since we got back. He's been bumped up to B class.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've talked about did that. That's some cool.
5: races with, Yeah, did some races with that. So we'll just see where it leads from, from here on out, you know. I mean, I've always been of the opinion that I'm not going to force him to do anything. And, and if, it, if he doesn't want to do it, it doesn't pay to make him do it. Sure, so yeah. As long as it's fun. As long as it's fun we're gonna keep hammering and and i'll work my tail off to, <laughs> to, to make the money to be able to do it you know
0: very cool well eric man uh i'm glad that i had a chance to get you and Eli- elijah on i appreciate you reaching out to me and 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 reminding yeah. me you know to get you back on because yeah that's a really cool story and it's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit and we at the moto x show appreciate your your listening and your support so much
5: yeah, no, I I appreciate you guys. You know, it's it's another link into the sport that I love. So yeah. thank you thank you for having us. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, man. Well you guys have a good night and we'll talk to you soon and um man, let, let me know when you guys come back down to Texas and we'll try to get together.
5: Well, we'll be there again this this coming season for Freestone. So Heck we'll see yeah. you then, bud.
0: Sounds good, dude. Thank you so much.
5: All right. All right. Take care, Jamie. All right, see ya, bud. Bye. Bye.
0: All right, again, Eric and Elijah Tesla. Um, Again, man, we're going to wrap the show up just about, episode 135. But do not forget about the blood lubricants giveaway that's going to be on Instagram. And um, I was going to do a trivia question for the Fly Racing Main Event Backpack. But instead, let's just do uh, send an email to the MotoXPod show at gmail.com. Or you can go to MotoXPodShow.com and hit the contact form. Just send us an email. Tell us why you deserve or want the, the Fly Racing Main Event Backpack. And we'll pick a winner. We'll, we'll announce a winner in two weeks on episode 137. Once again, thank you to all our sponsors. Works Wheels and Mods, Extreme Colors, Achirbys, Torque One Racing, our title sponsor. Shock Socks, All Sport Dynamics, Blood Lubricants, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing, uh, all these guys, without them, we could not get to the races and do all the content we have. Uh, it, it's, we're just blessed to have the sponsors we do. Thank you to our listeners. Please go to Patreon.com and support the Moto X Pod show if you can. And uh, that's, that's it. That's it for episode 135. We'll be back next week with another show. And thanks again. See ya.